We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in his nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. Everybody to another edition of the Rock Pile Report podcast. I'm your host, Bill, season ticket holder Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krieger. In studio with us, Mr. Patrick Moran. How long do you hold your breath on average before your intro? Oh, you have no. You idea. count? No, no. But I'll tell you what. I, I can hold when my I breath. when I edit these videos and they go out on y'all tube. Depending on Drew's buildup, I leave it in. <laughs> <laughs> I have COPD. I would literally have a heart attack if I tried to do what you do. <laughs> I, I, I love it. Guys, you all know him. You love him. Pat Moran, Talking Buffalo Podcast. Uh, to kick this show off, I have a topic of conversation. I brought it up to you earlier. I'm going to put you on the spot now. And in fact, we're going to turn it on Chris because I feel like I want to get his take on this. The wife and I have a pretty heated discussion the other night because she goes... It's not about inviting people places? No, 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 no. This is about wings. This is about okay. something Pat knows everything about. This is chicken wings. <laughs> we order pizzeria. You know, we order takeout from Nino's. I'll just say it. It's from Nino's. And the pizza is okay. I'm not in love with it. And I'm a pizza guy. Like, out of the pizza and wings like combo, I lean more towards pizza than chicken wings. Now, part of it is a byproduct of what it takes to stop being 348 pounds. I had to convince myself I didn't like chicken wings. It turns out it's harder to lose that once you've stopped being 348 pounds. Some of it just doesn't come back. Wings were that for me. I could take them or leave them. So we're having this discussion about takeout dinner, and she's like, oh, I think it was really good tonight. I go, eh, eh, average, average at best pizza. Like, Nino's used to be good. I don't know if they lost their quality or what. It just doesn't impress me anymore. But the wings were especially atrocious, especially for what I was paying for them. And so I started this conversation of pizzerias. I don't give a shit what pizzeria. Cannot 
touch any of the top 20 bars in Western New York that make chicken wings or that are known for making chicken wings. Now, Pat, your thoughts on that? Just the idea of pizzeria wings versus restaurant slash bar wings. I think you're right with a couple exceptions. There's a couple, couple pizzerias that I think their wings are, you said top 20? Let's say top 15, if we're maybe, being fair. I'd say there's... Uh, the maybe, upper crust, the upper echelon wing places. Can we give some free shout-outs to some places here? Sure. For some wings. And by the way, I'm going to generously agree with you on your... Do you know how many stick. sponsors we don't We do live near each other. I'm not a shill. <laughs> Good. A fucking Manscaped. Listen, I use a Mach 3 Razor. There's no Manscaped going on here. <laughs> we live, by the way, what, 30 seconds probably yes, from each other? Yes, you walk so to my house. And we're, so we're both real close to Nino's. Anyway, I'm not here to, to, to bash any specific place but what i will say is this the handful of places that i think you could go to a pizzeria and get wings that are comparable to many of the best bar restaurant wings and we're talking of course like al walls and 911 and bar bill and places like that I, I think macy's place pizzeria is up there although their consistency is an issue and we talked mm. about this over uh yep. before we started recording tonight but macy's um lenova's wings are really good especially their barbecue wings uh I guess I am going to be a little bit of a shill here with Imperial Pizza because I do my show there <laughs> a lot. Shout out Imperial Pizza. But guys, no, every, on Thursdays, Pat Moran talking Buffalo podcast from Imperial Pizza. If you're not watching it, I mean, he has a great slate of guests. Tyler Dunn's done it. You know him. You love him. Yeah. Come on. That's my guy. But no, seriously, the, their wings are, are very good. There's a small handful. I generally agree with your point, though. There is a difference between pizzeria wings and bar slash uh, restaurant wings. Generally speaking, I would agree with you that I don't think 95% of places would could even match any top 20 wing spot in Buffalo. I, I do think there is uh, there are a handful, though. Very small. Now, Chris, you have you were a Gabriel's Gate guy once upon a time. No. No. I'm, they're, 9-11? Gabe, Gabe's Gate is overrated. 9-11 I've never been to. Uh, Jessica and I went out for dinner a couple weeks ago. Pat, this is the kind of impact you have on society here. <laughs> so we're, we went to Connors over by West Seneca West. Mm-hmm. And we sat down, and just based on where we were sitting, I look over Jessica's shoulder, and it has, like, specials. And it's, like, 50-cent wings. And I was like, hmm, I guess I'm going to have to give that a try because they're 50 cents. I'll give them a try. But before I ordered the wings, I went to your website. I went to see all, what, 93 wing spots you've done. Went to see if you've done Connors before. You did. You had them as, I think, waiver wire wings. (laughs) They were a lot better than waiver wire wings, in my opinion. I don't know when you you did that review, but they were, like, solid. Like, they were solid enough to where if I'm going to go order what, like, we're about six, seven weeks away from the Sabres home opener. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to be down here in the basement watching that game and I'm going to want to get wings, I might consider Connors because of that 50-cent wing night. Okay, but then, so, so haha, and this is an interesting thing to bring up with you, at what point does price point dictate how you judge wings? Now, if you're a purist like Pat Moran, you're probably just looking at him as, what are you as a chicken wing, and I don't care about much else. If you're a guy like me and Chris, you, have to, you look at that and you go, this 
doesn't taste so bad, but a part of me wonders if it isn't just because it was 50 cents. You're right. Price matters. Price matters. Price matters. <clears throat> and by the way, with, with Connors, it just proves, and we were talking about this before uh started recording here, food is so subjective. And that's what I love about food. I, I was telling you this. I could put out a sports take and nobody gives a shit. <laughs> but if I talk about wings, whether I write something up or whether I talk about it on my show or whether I'm on your show, everybody has an opinion on them. And that's the thing. There is no wrong opinion. It's just everyone's opinion is completely different. And by the way, I do have – so I don't have my wings. I don't go like one through 93. I, I go like by tiers. Like I have my Mount Rushmore and then I have All Pro. Then I have Solid Starter Wings. Mm-hmm. Then I have Def Chart. Then I have – Waiver, or no, not waiver, roster bubble, and then waiver waivers. That's what he was talking about when I said I had Cotters all the way in the bottom of the uh, of the waiver wire waivers. Well, the best part about this is that, like, first of all, to kind of bring this conversation to a, to a head, you have your chicken wing rankings coming out yep. for 2023. I'm excited, too. So you're going to be publishing on the website. Yeah, and then you're also. Are you doing an accompanying podcast? Oh, of course, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and it'll be fun. And like I said, I, last year I had Nate Gary on with me. I'm not sure who I'm going to be doing it with this year. Maybe Matt Perino, only because I, I know he's been to a lot of these places. And plus, Matt, well, Matt, you know, I'm a shill for Imperial, and Matt's a shill for Wingnuts. So uh, okay, because they sponsor his show. So I don't know. He might be a little bit uh, biased. Might just be as biased be as well. But we've had I've had wings together at with him um, at a lot of places. But yeah, I just look forward to it. it. The engagement is so fun, and people will rip you if they don't agree with it. Kind of like sports. Well, that's it's it. fun. And so here, if we're gonna put a bow on this conversation of pizzeria versus bar wings, bar restaurant wings. I think that half the problem is, is that when you're talking about a, a good bar or a good restaurant who's mm-hmm. very good at making these wings, how many cooks do you think they have? At a bar or a restaurant? Yeah. More than the pizzeria? Do, well, this is what I was going to ask. Do you think it's more cooks at the restaurant who are working the fryers? Um. I don't know if it's more. I know that they're more consistent. I know that they're yes. trained the same way. Like you don't it's need the consistency that is lacking from you... most pizzerias. Macy's place. Listen, Chris, I flame those people on social media. I have <laughs> I take every opportunity I can to punch down at them whenever the opportunity presents itself. Because they fuck me a lot of times. There's been a lot of times where I get a pizza and it's burned or I get, and I go, guys, you have all these crazy pizzas where you're putting 19 things on top of it. But all I ordered was a large cheese and pep and you couldn't pull that off. Right. And then they shrug at you and go, what do you want me to do about it? Fucking, I want you to learn how to cook a pizza. I've heard, I've heard their customer, their customer service. I've heard stories from people. So the idea is, is like, I see that, but I've had their wings. Their wings are very tasty when they're done properly. And it's this thing of like pizzerias, just that consistency is lacking. So why are bars and restaurants so much better at it? I, I don't know why, but what I can tell you is that people who cook, they, they, they're trained to make them the same way. If you go to, uh, you know, 9-11, how have you not been to 9-11, by the way, Chris? You and lived right around the corner yeah. from me. If you go, if you, they're hard to get into, I'll say that. And I think that's part of the appeal. Like, it's literally impossible to go there sometimes and not have to wait for two hours. Literally. And I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> but you go to a place like that, or you go say you go to a place like Sunny Reds or whatever, whatever it may be, these places that have elite wings, in my opinion, 
They take it does. You don't need Gregor or Bill to be working. Whoever's working, they're going to taste pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Pizzerias, for the most part, I think maybe it's because they got y- younger people who work there or Might just getting that. started in the yeah. food business, and they're just they're not trained to make food the exact same way. So it's very inconsistent. Like I said, I could tell you, hey, let's go to Lenovo's, man. You got to try these wings. They're amazing because I went there and they were great. And then you and I go and someone else is cooking and they're overdone and they're just, they don't taste nothing like what I just had there three or four days ago. So I think it's the consistency is the reason why, with a couple of exceptions that I think pizzerias aren't on the same level as these bars and restaurants. Well, I can't wait for your wing rankings and I also can't wait to taste this cocktail Chris gave me. So, Chris... I've got it, too. I have, I've never had it. You Okay, so he's gambling here, folks. He made it for himself. This is how much he likes the recipe. Now, obviously, Pat, there's a lime in this, mm-hmm. so there's citrus in there. It's brown in color, which makes me think it's either a rum or a whiskey. I don't smell anything. In fact, I almost smell like a liqueur. It almost smells like, like, almost like a Grand Marnier kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. That scares me, because the last time he used Grand Marnier... And an egg white. It was the biggest miss of his entire cocktail career. <laughs> yeah, that cocktail was was Let's not try this. was not good at all. Okay, so there's spices in there. I don't know what they're over. I don't even taste the lime. What I taste is like like all spice or something. What is in here? It's a very simple cocktail, and it is called corn and oil, not corn and oil, corn and oil. Kind of like Guns N' Roses. There's a letter N <laughs> there. N. Okay. Corn and oil. And it is two ounces of rum, half an ounce of velvet falernum, ango bitters. You swizzle it in the glass and then squeeze a lime wedge on top of it. If you had told me you pissed in a glass and I was drinking it rather than you swizzled something <laughs> in my drink, I would be more accepting of that. It's not that bad. <sighs> it's not great. It's not terrible. It's not It's not Grand Marnier cocktail level. But I'll tell you what. The Whiskey Millionaire cocktail? Yeah, but I'll tell awful. you what. I think it's this Falernum, whatever I'm tasting. It tastes like like pumpkin spicy. I know we're entering that part of the year where now all of a I think today uh, was the day Starbucks rolled out the fucking pumpkin spice. My I, wife hate was, I hate that. My wife was rav- raving about it. They've already had uh, pumpkin beer at, at the store. I've seen it. So Nothing pumpkin to the first day of fall. I See, this tastes like a fall cocktail. I'm not ready to accept the fact that summer's over. But before we get into Bill's stuff, can we at least raise a glass? Because we just found out that Bray Wyatt has passed away. Raise a glass. Pat, you would know more about him than than I would, even though I try my best to keep up with uh, wrestling. But he is... Drew, Drew, if you didn't know this, he's the son of IRS from the early 90s. No shit! No, no, no. Yeah, right? Blackjack Mulligan. Blackjack Mulligan? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the, I, he's the from, character. He's related to the guy that yes. played IRS. Yes. But he was... You're far, right. I'm wrong. Oh, I am right. You are right. He's the son... I'm thinking about it. Erwin R. Scheister? Yes, IRS. That's so Rotundo. I know that. It's Bray Wyatt's Rotundo, real name. Yeah. yeah, but uh, he was like one of the most innovative minds For of sure. the last 10, 15 years in wrestling, so... 36 years old, too. Yeah. Terrible. Too bad we don't have... Uh, He's been Pro, sick for months. I mean, it's not sudden, here. though, either. Yeah. He's, been, he's been ill for months, and uh, 
leading up to WrestleMania last early April, or this past early April, he wasn't on the card, and they were saying, and it was a mystery. And then he just came out and over the last few months that he's been sick. But I also read recently that he was doing better. So on that note, this really is shocking news to hear tonight. <sighs> yeah, no, it's definitely a downer. And it's definitely one of those things that you hear and you go, like my immediate reaction was, I don't know who this guy is, but he was 36 years old. What the fuck? Yeah, it's, that's just... That. He's innovative in his in his really character creation and the storylines that he was involved in. It's what it's... Sad it's, day. It's, it's, I talk about it all the time. Terry I Funk just, died yesterday, too. Oh, that, man, Terry yes. Funk died. Like, I understood that. Yeah. Like, that... I, I know Terry no, yeah, Funk. That's not surprising. D- 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 guys, just go back. If you guys want to laugh in the wake of his passing, just go listen to... There is a compilation on YouTube of Dan Soder and Big J Okerson talking about Terry Funk. And they always, he's like, it's Dan Soder doing a Terry Funk impression going, I'd like to come do that, but I, I got a raise in a barn match that I got to do against my uncle. Someone's got to go build my uncle a barn if they lose. <laughs> like, he had a million gimmick matches, and it was just, yeah. it was. He helped put ECW on the map he did. in yep, the he 90s. Did. He did. <clears throat> There was just, it's just a sad day when you see somebody like that pass away that young. For sure. And sudden, well, sudden in a way. I it's, mean, again, he was sick, but we didn't, never yeah. knew how sick, so. But at 36 years old. Jesus Christ. That's why I tell everybody. I go, listen, I, I squeeze every drop out of this thing I can get. You have to. Because when the day comes, I want to go with very few regrets. Huh? As few as to. possible. I want to live this thing. And I just appreciate the fact that I get to sit here and do stuff like this with you guys. So, like I said, if tomorrow's the day, at least I know that I enjoyed most of the moments that I've had right up until the moment no, I kicked the Don't bucket. take the day for granted, that's for sure. Not at all. I'll never like that hair, though. I'll go to the grave hating that fucking hair on your... On the, Chris, if I'm on my deathbed, and I were to be, and they were to be like, Drew, what can we do for you? And I were to say... You know what would make me happy is if you just shaved Chris. I was going to ask you, what would make you, what, what is his go-to hairstyle in your world? Like, what would make you happy? Oh, I just want to see him with like a high, like a military style high and tight. I don't know why, but I think it would make me laugh after having watched him have mohawks and dye his hair. Just the, just the, the Justin Uhlberg high and tight. Yeah, <laughs> I've had that before, but <laughs> I've had my hair pretty long for the last six years cool guy yeah you know it wasn't cool the bills in preseason week two uh here's your pre here, here's the fastest preseason recap we've ever done uh week two steelers 27 bills 15 i got your stats of the game right here six bills defenders gave up 100 percent reception percentage against wow i didn't know 13 that. catches in total for 113 yards and two touchdowns including milano and elam uh dalton kincaid three for four 15 yards per reception. He was on the field for 13 pass plays and ran routes on 12 of them, which tells you the boy ain't blocking. Linebacker Dorian Williams, 21 run defense snaps, which led the team. Four tackles, one solo stop, one quarterback pressure, and a quarterback hit. Led the team in special team snaps. Did he really? Wide receiver Justin Shorter, 5 of 6, 47 yards, which led the football team. Two first downs and a touchdown. 100% 100% contested catch rate. Two for two. If you got in his face, he still caught the ball over the top of you. Right tackle Ryan Vandermark. 21 pass block reps. Zero pressures allowed. Yeah, Ryan Vandermark. Fan my of guy. Ryan Vandermark. Guys, 
I go back to the like the song from the movie The Grinch. You know, you're a mean one. <laughs> it really does. It like that's the most fitting way to describe what we saw on Saturday. It's just three words: stink, stank, stunk. Everything was terrible, and I just wanted it to end. I mean, realistically, in retrospect, having a colonoscopy versus watching that game, I take. I take the uh, the scope every time because at least they give you drugs for that. Like at least they numb you up to a point where you don't remember it. So I went to I had to work Saturday, and with that game being at six thirty, I get off at seven. But I had to get home, shower, change, and meet Jessica at a surprise party at new place in West Seneca, the Ridge. I've been there. Pretty good wings. Mm-hmm. If you haven't been. It was a train wreck to watch. I audibly like made a noise watching the Tommy Doyle injury, and I like immediately pulled out my phone and I sent a text message to Kyle Trimble, like uh, his foot stuck in the ground, but his leg moved like 180 degrees. Which I was is, yeah. I, I made a noise. It was gross. I, I texted him. I told him my uncle Brad did something similar when I was like I was a kid, just sitting in his stands mm-hmm. watching a softball game. He did the thing where you round second and you try to, like, you're turning it, right? Yeah. And he turned it and everything above the knee just rotated towards third and the foot stayed there and it was a nightmare. And he got hurt the week before, too. It turned out to be just a bruise, though, on the knee. Like, I feel like he... What did you do, Tommy Doyle? At a certain point, I have to question... What did you? Is this the movie Thinner? Did you run over a gypsy with your car? Like what happened to you? Oh man, it was. It it's was, just awful luck. It was ugly in the game. It and was the ugly. game was ugly, dude. Like, so last Saturday, I went to uh, a, fr- a friend of mine had a birthday party. So we went to me and my friend Mike went to her house, and it was in the backyard. And there's like a big circle. You know, we're having some drinks. Some tunes are being played. Typical hangout, get together party. And this was during the day on Saturday, early evening. Planned on watching the game with my friend Mike. He, my friend is a huge Bills fan. I mean, like a nutty Bills fan. Maybe even worse than you, Drew. And we, I don't and know. we uh, does he destroy, uh, maybe not. Does he's he up just, there. Does he destroy wicker furniture? No, he doesn't. Yeah. So he's not. All right, he's not quite on your level. But that's but, okay. That's a good thing. That means he's normal. I wouldn't go that far either. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I, I want to meet this guy. <laughs> so. We, she, Kaylee, the, the girl's whose house we were at, she says that uh, she doesn't have cable, which is not that uncommon in today's world. More and more people are cutting the cable yeah. and relying on streaming services and stuff like that. However, the internet went down in that area. So I'm like, all right, well, we're going to stay here and have a fun time partying, or are we going to go back to my house, which is less than 10 minutes away? This was near Michael and Union Road. So it's like, oh, okay. We're going to go back to my house and watch the game. So me and my buddy Mike go to my house, put the game on right before we. Get there right before kickoff. I swear to you, by like maybe a quarter and a drive into it, went from drinking a couple casual beers to putting up some fireball and some yay or not yay or Jameson <laughs> on the table. The two of us were getting shit based watching the game, and I'm looking. I'm saying, what the fuck am I watching? Now, granted, okay, context. It's preseason. I get it. I yeah. know, but I'm an overreactor a little bit, at least a little bit. Listen, I was we- like, what am I doing? Why did I go leave this fun ass party hanging out with a bunch of cool ass people? They go to my house, and we're sitting there watching the, the Bills get embarrassed by the Pittsburgh Steelers in a preseason 
passing game. Really did literally started ripping shots. Don't remember it. They're like the fourth quarter. I watched it the next day. And then the UFC pay-per-view was on. I have a, I had the pay-per-view. I don't remember 99% of it. And it's all because of how bad the Bills played. They led me to wanting to just get ripped. So what I'm off. hearing is that the Bills owe you 60 bucks for a UFC Yeah, game. they owe me for a pay-per-view <laughs> and about a third of a bottle of Jameson. They they owe they owe your liver. They, Chris, yeah. I think if we could if we could put a class action lawsuit together against the Bills for liver damage, yeah, yeah. just be like, listen, that there are thousands idea. of us. You have been doing this to us for too long. You can't get even just to do it as a publicity stunt. I think would be hilarious. Now, you're talking to a guy who was sipping whiskey on the rocks and then turned to Bush Light, which you're drinking right now. Yes, I am. I had to turn to Bush Light after a while because I was just like, I can't. Like, at a certain point, it became funny. I was like, what the fuck am I watching? Here's the thing for me. All week long, all I heard about was iron sharpens iron, and we're just scrapping at practice, and we're just itching to hit another team, and blah, 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 blah. And then you just go out there and get bullied. Bullied for four quarters. The two things... All right, so... Generally speaking, again, they didn't have a specific game plan for Pittsburgh. They were just running starters out there, getting game reps, and you know, just doing whatever they wanted to do. I understand that. We shouldn't overreact as a preseason no. game. But my biggest takeaway from that game that didn't sit well with me and still doesn't sit well with me right now is that game's kind of a microcosm of going back to March. Yes. When the two things that were most wrong with the Buffalo Bills perceived was Tremaine Evans leaves and we don't do anything at the position. <laughs> and then they just both blow up in And your then face. you watch what Tyrell Dotson <laughs> go out there and just stink it up. He's playing literally in the fourth quarter. Well, A.J. Klein, should... who deserves to be no more than the fourth linebacker and on the practice squad, might end up starting by default that Terrell Bernard isn't healthy soon. And then right tackle. I mean, that's all we heard about. You got to, at the very least, bring in some competition for Spencer Brown. The Bills did none of that during the draft, free agency, post-draft. And then you watch Spencer Brown go out there and, again, granted one game, and he wasn't the only guy in the line who didn't play well, but he gets... Two penalties on one drive. Now, the first one was kind of ticky-tack. I don't know, the block in the back. That might have been a bad call. But he, he holds on that long Josh Allen to Gabe Davis pass that got called back, which was the nicest play of the game. Well, not just the nicest play of the game. It just for sack. Huh? It was my silver lining for the entire fucking game. Man, it's the beautiful. only reason. I, it's the only reason that I'm like, as I'm sitting on the couch, just getting comfortably numb. I'm like, rap. This is all awful. It was and all this too. shit's happening. My son's sitting next to me. I'm like, I'm not going to scream and rant and rave. If but you, here's what I will do. I go, I will point to this play and I will go, hey, when all else fails, you know what your offense can't do is that fucking play where our quarterback's in trouble and then goes, fuck you, Gabe Davis will toe tap. Gabe Davis has done that all Kiss the time. Kiss my too. ass. He, I have this. You don't. He's had a, Gabe Davis has had a really good summer. That was absolutely the bright spot. So I didn't even give a shit about the penalty on Spencer Brown because it's I just wanted to see that. I'm like, okay, right. he threw it to Diggs. Diggs got loose. Diggs got out of bounds. He's going to be able to shake coverage when they don't play on exactly. him on the line. And at the same time, Gabe Davis can still make Gabe Davis plays. All right, that's it. I saw Dalton Kincaid do some nice things. He's in the open field. I'm good. Wonderful. I'm good. This is fine. This is all well and good. Also, everything I'm watching right now is an abomination. This this should be like, Chris, they should have put that on Skinamax. Yeah. The way we got fucked. It was awful. And scrambled it. Scrambled it so we couldn't watch it. My favorite meme I've seen in the last calendar year was one where it was it was the picture, 
and you all know it, the lines would kind of roll up the thing when they were scrambling the channel. But if you were patient, you could kind of still make out the channel. <laughs> like if you were really hanging out there. Yeah. And so someone took a still shot of that and just posted it on Twitter and said, if you recognize this image, you were a bad kid. <laughs> no, that's 100% correct. It is. We're up at 2 a.m. just watching the scrambled Skinamax yeah. channels going, come on. Yep. Come yeah. on, maybe. If we hang out here for long enough. Guys, I'll give you a real quick hero and zero this thing. Chris, hero of the week. Who is it? It's literally everybody who had the common sense to just shut this shit off and not let it destroy their evening. Don't take it personally, all right? Franchise star players are a lot like Highlanders. There can only be one. There, there probably only was one Buffalonian who said, fuck this, as soon as the first drive ended and said, I'm going to enjoy my night. But for those of you who did, God bless you, because you made out better than Pat did. You made out better than I did. I Saturday night spun out of control. So Sunday morning, we took... Uh, was Sunday fair? Sunday was fair day. Mm-hmm. So Saturday morning, we take my children to the beach. First time they both had a blast. We're going on now. They're going to nap, and then we'll have which the beach? Uh, Woodlawn, because it was the closest one to my house. Because Orchard Park Beach closed, and then we found out when we got there that the water was. Cl- I mean, not that it was so windy. My kids wouldn't have gotten in the water with those waves, but. Closed because it rained too hard, and the sanitation department next door leaked E. coli into the water. Yeah. <laughs> awesome beach. But the sand was great. The kids got to just run around. It's bigger than our back. Like, it's a beach. And then there's nobody on the beach, so they have run of it. Like, it's amazing. Yeah. So they had the best day. We got to give them lunch right there sitting on a beach blanket. Like, they had a blast. And then that game happens, and I just lose track of the entire evening. I end up getting into an argument with my, full disclosure, end up getting into a whiskey field, again, whiskey night, because the bills, I went from beer to whiskey, because I go, I know this is going to be a long one. I can't just suck down all these carbs. Proceed to get into a whiskey argument with my wife. Stay up until 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, listening to, I'm downstairs in the basement bar, listening to, like, like, does anybody remember the band Mudvayne? Yeah, they oh, yeah. I remember. I don't know that type of music well, but for some reason, yeah, dig. I remember that song. Mudvayne and I've got Pantera going, and I'm down oh, there boy. listening to the, yeah until two thirty in the morning, <laughs> and then I wake up and got to take my kids to the fair in the morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ruined all because I watched that fucking game. There are so many people whose lives were better, and they are the real winners of this, who just walked away. Yeah. When they went, oh, this team stinks, I'm turning this off. And you guys, Pat, if you wanted to be in this crowd, you and your friend could have gone, listen, the party's only 10 minutes away. We could just go back. We could just turn this off and go back. And instead, you, like me, went down a dark road. I did, to a point where we <laughs> talked about going back. But then it just, like, yeah, yeah, it was too, too far. Drunk again. It was too far at that we point. Too far away. Yep. Now, Chris, we had a bad weekend, but there are so, there's someone who had a worse one. That's the zero of the week. And it's everybody who rewatched that game thinking it was going to help their podcast or stupid fucking blog talk about it the next week. Yeah. You folks fell on your face. You get an F minus in my book. <laughs> <laughs> you pat that was you. 
Yeah. You rewatched that show? Well, in fairness, I had to do a show Sunday night. I told I just told you I was obliterated by the second quarter or late in the second quarter. So I, I kinda had to get some general talking points about it. So yeah, I'm a zero for this. Did, did you? Time. Did you have to get some talking points? Uh, now to be fair, I didn't watch the whole game. I rewatched some of it. I'll give you that. I only were I watched like the first two and a half quarters. Holy shit, yesterday. was that thing bad? Like that's Yeah, I wasn't no better sober or, or the next day. It was just an ugly preseason game. There's multiple games for the Bills that I have not gone back and watched. Uh, the Cincinnati game from this past year. The Chiefs game when we lost in the uh, 2020 AFC title game. Haven't gone back and rewatched that because really? I have no need to. I know how to. Yeah, I know how it ended. From that. I knew what I felt in the moment. I don't need to rehash this. This game was one of those for me where I said, listen, I know how it made me feel now. Mm-hmm. I have no need to delve into that because it's not going to... It's like I understand some people look for meaning in a car wreck. They go, well, maybe there's some understanding. Maybe I can learn a thing or two. There is nothing that preseason game could teach me other than Sean McDermott needs to figure out how to get the energy level of his team up before yeah, the actual season starts. For sure. And the discipline. 12, 12 penalties in a, in a half? He's penalties? bitching about discipline, and then they go out and they double it. Yeah. It's fucking wild. Yeah. The number of penalties. I, I was looking it up in the middle of the game, and in fact, I think it's like there, there was a few things I was drunkenly making notes on if I pull my phone out here. <laughs> Let's see. What do I have? Uh, pop, pop. I said... Oh, here we go. Yeah. No, no, no. What I was making notes of. So, here, you read this. Because it's funnier coming from you because I can't die. Where? Here? Look at this. Concern Concerns me because it sends a message that McDermott still, seven years into this fucking, this might not know how to motivate his talent to play to their opponent's energy level. Maybe this morning, maybe it's the booze talking, but I've watched the head coach and Jim Harbaugh get canned after back-to-back NFC Championship games in a Super Bowl bid because the franchise felt like he lost the room. I'm not saying McDermott would be fired, but what I'm insinuating is that it is possible to alienate or lose the faith of veteran players, Buffalo oldest team in the NFL, and the threat of that is enough that weaker franchises with a smaller investment in a head coach have folded in the face of that very real threat. All I'm saying is I'm sick and tired of the fact that in big moments, we shrivel like George Costanza getting out of the fucking pool. I just, and again, this wasn't a big moment, but what it was was against a high effort team, which is what the Steelers always will be. It's baked into their DNA. We are high effort, high. They will have players that you look at and go, that guy's mediocre. Yeah, but from top to bottom, they're all high motor players because you can't be a Steeler any other way. You know, if people want to say preseason means nothing, they're entitled to that opinion. But I don't completely buy that because if this game meant nothing, then you tell me why the starters are playing against Saturday. Thank you. What Sean McDermott watched was a bunch of the guys I thought I could count on were undisciplined as fuck again. So now I need to come in here and address this. Guess what, guys? You're strapping up and playing in the third one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is crazy. Yes, it does put you in harm's way. I don't give a fuck. You didn't get the message. You need to button your shit up. Now, 
at a certain point, there's a, there is a tipping point to that message. It's like when you keep hammering and keep hammering and keep hammering and everyone stops responding, it's like, oh, no, did you lose yeah. the locker room? Now, I don't believe that to be the case. I'm not insinuating that Sean McDermott should be fired. But what I'm saying is I watched a team get rid of a coach that got them a lot of places to a Super Bowl, to NFC title games, success in the playoffs. And they fired that guy not because of his lack of success, but because they heard and saw from the leadership unit of the team that he didn't have it anymore. He lost them. And they recognized that, guess what? We can't replace them. I can't go find another Stefan Diggs. You know what I can find is another guy to hold to fucking hold a headset. And yes, does it mean I'll have to reinvent what my coordinating staff is? Does it mean I'm going to have to reimagine who does the heavy lifting and play calling? Sure. But I cannot have a universe where my Stefan Diggs's and my Von Miller's and my all of these guys like Von Miller backed up Stefan Diggs when he had his issue with the coaching staff. Yeah. You cannot have a universe where veteran players do not respect your coach because at that point you're Bud Kilmer. Yeah. And at that point, like, what are you going to do? You're just waiting for the locker room to turn on you. The the franchise has to make a choice because they can't replace those guys. I, they can't just go find another Diggs. Look, prefacing this by saying none of this is based for me sure. on Saturday's preseason game against the Pittsburgh Steelers where the starters played three series. Having said that, I will say that if the Bills, it would be interesting if the Bills start out slow this year for what for whatever the reason may be, how the, the locker room and, and how the players react. You know, you're talking about a team right now that got rid of or mutually parted ways with Leslie Frazier in, in February. And you have the drama that went on with Stefan Diggs during the uh, during the offseason, and he was unhappy with... Just like they I mean, parted ways with the fucking special teams coach who went to the Jaguars after the 13 seconds fiasco. Right, yeah, yeah, look, man. But, but I have it from I have it from bona fide sources. There was a real heated conversation that took place when that plane landed and everyone got back to the facility. Sure. Security at the stadium was concerned about the conversation that was taking place between the special teams coach, Brandon Bean, and Sean McDermott. I and, can believe it. And he wasn't fired, but he worked for the Jaguars the next year. Yeah. You take from that what you will. At a certain point, you have to be the franchise that this shit stops happening to, mm-hmm. where you just don't have flop performances, or you don't, in pivotal moments, all of a sudden just wilt. You have to stop that. This year is going to mean a lot. How they finish is going to mean everything. Do they look good in the regular season and go out with their worst loss of the year in the playoffs where they played probably their worst game of the year, which they absolutely did last year for a variety of reasons? Sure. Or in 2020 in the AFC Championship in Kansas City, they got stopped. They got beat bad. And then you find out that Cole Beasley's playing on a broken leg and Stephon Diggs has a core muscle injury and you go... These guys were playing their guts out, and they just didn't have it. That was a better team. They had more intensity, whatever, whatever, whatever you want to say about it. I just don't like watching us get punked again in a moment where you go, listen, you guys, you bitched about penalties. It got worse. You openly complained about it and said it would be a focus. It got worse. It didn't get better. I don't know if they're hearing you anymore. And then you're making them run laps. Greg Williams is somewhere going, yeah, make them run laps in practice. That'll work. 
it's like I don't know. I see these things, and it's not that I, again. We're we're saying this, and I know listeners right now are going. These fucking guys hate Sean McDermott. That's bullshit. Dude. It would be stupid to say he'd get fired. What I'm saying is he's not above criticism, and a yeah. lot of these problems belong at his doorstep. I don't sure. blame the players. I blame him. Head coaches are responsible to some extent when you have 12 penalties in the first half of a football game. That tells me that (laughs) says your team's not ready to play that day. (laughs) And look, I I like Sean McDermott for the most part, and maybe I'm wrong. I didn't listen to every word he said over the course of this week, but did he take responsibility? Like, I'm sure he might have thrown out a blanket statement. You know, the players players weren't ready, the coaches weren't ready, something vanilla, I'm sure, like that, but... Yeah, that's on coaching. And again, preseason or not, you don't want your team to come out and just not be ready to play. You don't want your starters playing this Saturday, which they are. I've been a Bills fan for a long time. Do you remember the Bills starters playing the last preseason game? Uh, Doug Marone got Sammy Watkins killed in the uh, fifth, a fifth preseason yeah, game. Yeah, that's right. Yep, it was a fifth preseason game. That was a while ago, game, though. He but got yeah. Sammy Watkins killed in that game, and he, we started off slow on offense because we were missing our number one wide receiver because of an injury. Uh not great. This is not a great place to be. Some people are doing better. Some people are doing worse. I think the I think the way we wrap this show is talking about who's done the most ahead of this week three that the starters are going to have to play to improve their stock and whose stock is trending downwards. Now, what's funny about this is I texted Chris and he didn't respond to it earlier <laughs> when I said for the thumbnail for this podcast. I think, because he always comes up with creative images to use on the thumbnail. I told him, for stock up, stock down, the best one you could use is trading places. Oh, that would have been perfect. Right? Like the old guys, Dan Aykroyd, Eddie Murphy. Mm -hmm. And I said, I go, I'm sure this is a movie that you've never seen. Chris, have you seen Trading Places? No. Come on, Chris. I fucking knew it. I'm not a mo- I'm not a movie guy. No, but he's seen Coneheads a thousand times. <laughs> he knows Black. Hey, I like Coneheads. He could quote everything from Black Sheep. <laughs> the last movie that I that I watched was Fourth of July with Joe List and Bobby Kelly and Bobby Kelly, Nick DiPaolo, Louis C.K. No, that I'm was good. the last movie that I actually watched. I'm not a movie guy. That's fair. You got to watch Trading Places though. I watch movies when I drink. That's the thing. I watch movies. My wife asks a lot of questions during them. I like to just be able to watch a movie and zone out. Mm-hmm. So when she falls asleep at like 930 on the couch, I'll go downstairs to the bar and I'll throw on a movie <laughs> and I'll just pour a couple of cocktails and just watch Tombstone for three hours. Yeah. And it's fun. And I enjoy Like I enjoy a good movie when I've had some cocktails. But the problem I find is that I just watch the same movies over and over again. I never, I see a million new movies. Never watch any. <laughs> That's why, the, the, like, I'm a big movie guy. Not so much anymore over the last few years, but like from like the '80s all the way through the last maybe five years, I've it, seen most most. So you movies. being older and seeing all these movies, is it funny how much shit they got away with back in the oh, '80s? It's crazy. Like a PG-13 or it's crazy. Like my mom, I remember the time I was, I was probably my youngest brother was. He's 12 years younger than me, so I was working. And my mom sent me a text message. She's like, Luke stayed home from school, so I, I turned on Roadhouse for him. Mm-hmm. And I'm laughing my ass off. I go, he's in fifth grade. She goes, I forgot how many boobs are in this movie. <laughs> I go, yeah, there's tits everywhere in that mom. Yeah. What, you just sat him down in front of Roadhouse and forgot about hey, this? It's crazy. <laughs> how much things they get. Movies and TV shows, too. TV shows that can never get made now. Classics. Cheers is a classic movie. 
It would or TV show. I'm sorry, TV series. You couldn't. You do couldn't it. make that now. Back in the day, like married show, with children. Carla, Carla walks around. A guy will slap her in the ass, and she'll dump her drink on her. Nowadays, that's like a lawsuit that you get in all kinds of trouble. Married with, with children. Shows, married Bund- with children. Ellen Bundy is a character that would never be allowed no. to exist. Even with Michael Scott in the office, and that's my favorite TV show of all time. And that's a new show compared to things going on now. I mean, maybe borderline <laughs> getting trouble for that or stuff. But I don't think the office could get made today. No. Anyway. God. So, (laughs) in terms of who's done the most to help their stock, Osiris Torrance has to be the number one with a bullet. You went from being a rookie who started the first week of camp as a backup, Mm -hmm. but everyone kept pointing to the fact that you want better running game, you're not going to get it by trotting out the same guys you did last year. Right. Give me something new. They did. They plugged him in to be a spark plug in that regard, and at no point during these first two games has he looked like a gross liability. He's earned it. He's earned the right to be playing with the starters. Agreed. I He absolutely has helped his stock uh, the most. At, at training camp, they were alternating him and Bates. They were going, you know, shaking turns with the ones, and at some point, um, Torrance just took over, and he, and he hasn't heard his case. Again, has he been spectacular? I mean, I'm not offensive line, guys. I, I don't know. But. No, but you're a second-round rookie. I'm not expecting you to be spectacular. Right. What I'm expecting is you, at no point do you make me pay attention to you. That's yes. it. You're doing your job. I agree 100%. At no point, if I'm a casual fan watching the way a game goes, do I go, oh, man, Torrance really let us down on that rep. Then guess what? You did your job. Mm-hmm. I agree 100%. Now, does that mean you're an all-star? No. But as a rookie coming into this scenario on this football team – I'll take that. Yeah, I, I, I'm impressed with him. And, and it's good to see a day two pick be a year one starter um, on a very good offense. So, yeah, I, I think he's helped. I, I think there's someone else, though. I, it's kind of 1A and 1B. You said, sure. you said without question, Torrance. And, and I would tend to agree, but I also... Who do you like? I, I love Trent Shurfield. I liked yeah. him. From, I, like, I liked him at camp. He's so he's a dog. Versatile. He is a dog. He's a dog. He's a dog. That you want to talk about bright spots? You talked about that Josh Allen to Gabe Davis during that shit show last Saturday. Well, what about that catch over the middle? It was like a twenty-one yard catch to Sherfield made. Got clocked. He was a, he was pumped too. He brings an energy to this team. He could play both outside spots. He could play the slot. He, he's a good. He's a great blocker. He's good on special teams. He's an experience. He's not a young kid either. You know, he's he has mm-hmm. experience. I thought he was pretty good with Miami last year. You saw the reaction from some Miami players when he signed with Buffalo. They knew they lost a good player. I like what I've seen from him. I think he's almost almost kind of separated himself from the rest of that pack of potential. Oh yeah, threes. I'm more excited about him in the slot than Hardy. To be honest, because because of the toughness that he runs his routes with and just the run blocking ability, I feel like if we run 12, but you go, or not even 12, if you decide you want to run a single back formation, you know football. Yeah, 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 sure. You want to run single back, but you want to run three wide. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, you can do that. And it doesn't have to be out of the shotgun. Like everyone, everyone, I feel like when you talk about 11 personnel or like people just immediately gravitate towards, okay, it's out of the shotgun Mm -hmm. with a running back offset. It doesn't have to be that way. And so when I see this and I think about what Shorter brings here is he's such a tenacious run blocker that there are very few nickel corners who can beat him on a press off the line of scrimmage. Yeah. So if you decide that out of a run fit, you want to run off left tackle, If depending on the matchup with Shorter out there, you could take that. Whether it's a, a linebacker, whether it's a corner, I like Sherfield to match up with whoever the second-level defender is. Yeah. <clears throat> now, the other thing I like about him is that you've watched them move him around through two preseason games specifically to get Stephon Diggs on on a slot rep. Mm -hmm. And you saw it in training camp. They would move him around to get there. They're not moving Hardy. I mean, I guess they could move Hardy to the outside, but his size makes him kind of a... Nah. He he is a chess piece. Yeah. And he's kind of proven throughout camp, and then even in this game where everything sucked, he stood out as a spot where you go, that's a guy who made an impact. I like that. Yeah. I I feel if I don't want anyone to get hurt, but if Gabe Davis gets injured, I feel better about Sherfield being able to come in and be adequate in his place on the outside than say a year ago where it would have been uh, Jay Kumro. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So a big upgrade. So anyway, yeah, he's speaking a, of Kumro, we also have Justin Shorter. Who, if there's anything, I'll say this: he started quietly. Camp wasn't the best for him out of the gate. I remember being at the blue and red scrimmage and watching him be the first player on the football field. Yeah. Oh, well, no, no, no. Not true. Reed Ferguson was the first football player on the field. Chris, I watched Reed <clears throat> do a thing with one of the like ball boys or whoever where the ball boy would kind of snap him the ball and he would punt it. <laughs> and I, I took a picture of it and texted it to him in our Q42 group chat. It was just like, nice punts, you goober. What are you doing? <laughs> and he's just like, what the f No, you know he doesn't cuss. Yeah. So he wasn't what the fuck. Yeah. Did you know that Reed Ferguson, he's physically incapable of profanity? I didn't know that. I've had him on my show twice. Once in person too at a at a bar. I never I've he's well, not proted him. Or, he's not physically capable of swearing. And you try to provoke him to, yes, get him to swear? I've tried multiple times. I can't get him to do it. So I'm watching him, and then all of a sudden Shorter comes out, and it's just him and the jugs machine. He had someone bring the machine out, and he must have caught 30 balls off this thing from different positions. Him turned around with his back, and he turns around and catches. 
that spoke volumes to me where everyone else is still in the locker room getting ready. You're out here trying to just learn. He, how to he didn't do that for the crowd either. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. He's he not did it doing at camp. it for the He cr- did it at camp. Yeah, so okay. and, and, and like where he caught the balls in the jug machine is behind the stadium where you come in. So no fans saw that unless you were on the very top row of the bleachers. Yeah. Like myself, Joe Marino, and Joe Miller were wide. And we watched that. He was the only receiver doing it too. He was, he was out there doing it. Before anyone else came out yep. of the locker room, and he's just like, "Look, I'm just trying to figure out how to be an NFL receiver. Yep. I want to be the best, and I need to learn how to catch the ball." Yeah. So he's, and you could watch him make some crazy catches, fingertips away from his body, pulling it in. I was like, "This is impressive shit," and I like the fact that this kid is dedicated to his craft. Mm-hmm. That kid has, if he has that work ethic behind the scenes, there's no doubt he's endeared himself to the coaching staff. Yeah. They have to love him and he's the making the team and his size and his speed and his special teams ability. They oh. have to love him. Yeah, I agree. He, I, he's he's a, a legitimate, good developmental prospect. Is there anybody else who might have been like a bubble player or a roster player who you think really did a lot? Ryan so Vandermark. Va- Ryan Vandermark. You you love this guy. Oh, it's not that I love him. It's that I really don't like David Quisenberry. I'm just going to be completely honest. With I you. hated Vandermark after that Colts game because I just watched him fuck up. And I even said on this podcast, I go, guys. You think that signing Questenberry to an extension was a, uh, another deal was a bad idea, but you could have Ryan Vandermark. Yeah, look at how poorly he played. <laughs> to your point, he's more of a natural fit at left tackle. Yeah, for, and oh, when you sure. put him in at left tackle, all of a sudden in this game, he just jumped off tape. And you go, oh no, he's actually really good. Yeah. They're sending blitzes, they're sending stunts. He's diagnosing in real time. You get to watch his processing, and you go, he's actually pretty sharp. Yeah. You you know what? I'm, you're not asking me this. I'm I'm just going to tell you this anyway. But if you're asking, if you were to ask me, give me a player or two under the radar that you actually care to watch in this final preseason game. Richard Garage is an offensive tackle prospect. I want to see more of him. He played really good against the Colts. He got a lot of snaps too. And with Tommy Doyle down and with uh, yeah. Brandon Shell retired, he's going to get. I think he's going to get a good look. I don't think he's going to make the team. I think he'd be a, a priority practice squad player at that very weak offensive tackle uh, depth. So anyway, and I think he's had a pretty good camp. So I, I, his stock has went up. Maybe not enough to make this roster, but I think he's put himself in a position where. Stranger things have happened. I mean, he's an undrafted free agent. So to see, you know, a guy like that make a, an offensive tackle make a very good roster would be a surprise. But I, I like what I've seen from him. Now, if I knew how to whistle, I would do the because <laughs> we're about to talk about the people who have hurt their stock throughout mm-hmm. two preseason games. Uh, the first one is swing offensive tackle David Questenberry. Uh, here I was going to bat for him after the Colts game. And he just showed his whole ass in the Pittsburgh game. That's bad, bad. He just showed his entire ass. That was bad. He got beat so bad on that sack. I can't remember who it was. It was fifty six. I can't think of the guy's name. And he's a good player too. In fairness to him, oh my god, that was so bad. It's Chris. We've seen him. He started for the Bills, but at a certain point, do you think they go, "Hey, we need younger and more athletic"? Like Chris, realistically. Do you believe there's a world where they say, listen, we did trust you to start seven games, but also if that's the effort we're going to get and we have a guy like a Vandermark who's really, really just scrapping to try to get a job, that you'd defer to that guy? I mean, it's hard as shit to find a tackle in today's game. 
But what Quentin Barrett like old as shit, right? And he in, up in his in his thirties. Um, uh, I'm not sure how old he is. I, he's got a lot of experience. I know that. I mean, yeah, he played for he played a couple of years in in Houston, but you know, it's. I just he, he I might know. be on. You know, they the, want the, the the guys who you're going to say their stock down for. I, I at least I think anyway are going to be guys that just really hurt themselves with, with bad camps, and and I just feel like he's one of them. I just so I, on the laptop, I just spun it around for you. What I'm showing you is literally every team in the NFL's depth chart at offensive tackle. Oh, sure. Go ahead and tell me that David Questenberry wouldn't, like, here's the Dolphins. They have Austin Jackson. They have Teron Armstead. Kendall Lamps and Cedric Abwehi. Yeah, I'm not even going to know a lot of these guys. No, no, but, but I think that these two are, like, kind of like Questenberry in the sense that they've been around the game for long enough that you'd think they'd be good but they're just not former Bill Connor McDermott there with the Patriots yeah but once you start going down the list you find out that most of your teams who have like these star quarterbacks who you're paying don't have tackle depth look at this Max Mitchell Billy Turner they might have the best and those guys aren't even good well hey Jason Peters, we've been here. You know, I usually hate when veterans, name veterans, get thrown. Because every fan is going to link every veteran out there to the Buffalo yeah. Bills. That's what we all do. And most of the time, I'm like, like what, when we talked about Jonathan Taylor. I love Jonathan Taylor, but I just don't see that happening. Jason Peters feels, unless he's completely washed at this point, mm-hmm. he feels like he'd be a great fit for this team right now. Like He could come in here, he's your swing tackle, and he potentially get overtaken and start for Spencer Brown at some point, maybe. And Spencer Brown, for whatever reason, doesn't play well. But I agree with you. And and to be fair, look at the Chiefs. Oh. They have Donovan Donovan Smith, who they traded for from Tampa. Mm-hmm. Who I don't know if he's Tampa let him go for a reason. Sure, uh, Jawan Taylor, who they're like, well, you'll be fine from Jacksonville. They're like, yeah, you could be our tackle. It'll be fine. And then Lucas Niang and Prince. What Prince Tega Wanago? Yeah, see, I'll sound Wanago Wanago. I'll not gonna be very dumb. good. If I'm if if I'm trying to evaluate backup offensive tackles around the league, but what I can tell you is that through practice in the preseason, the team that we focus on that we watch, I feel like you could still get a good evaluation on those players. I can't compare Quisenberry to the backup tackles on the Baltimore Ravens or the Eagles or anything mm-hmm. like that. But I know what I see with my eyes, and I just don't know that I'm watching an NFL caliber tackle at this point. I know he's had a, you know, like I said, he's had a pretty long career. He's got plenty of starting experience. Anyway, his stock's down because I think he stunk <laughs> yeah. during the preseason and, and training camp. How about Khalil Shakir? No targets yeah. in the Pittsburgh game. He drops that ball against the Colts, yep. and then that's his what? Chris, now you're going into week three. You... And he's hurt. He's got ribs. Oh, no. oh, he's got sore ribs? Yeah, he's got boo-boo on his ribs. Oh, no. Listen, <laughs> guys, you're playing the game of football. He's got a lot to prove now. So his stock's down because I feel like he went from being that guy who was going to be, for sure, that starting slot receiver when they played three receivers to he might be that fifth receiver now you, on the depth you, chart. You've got sore ribs, and then you've got a guy like Andy Isabella who's out there taking shots, making catches, yeah. and going, hey, I, I yeah. can do this. Yeah. He's got a lot to prove. I So... 
based on what you're saying, stock going down, I completely agree with you. I think he's he's squandered an opportunity those first two weeks to really put a stranglehold on the depth chart where he stood before that. Cornerback Kyrie Elam. Um, Ugh, I don't even know where to start with this. First of all, the fact that you're playing, like, Chris, excess playing time. You're playing in the second half when all the starters come off the field. Bad fit, right? Yeah. Okay. You're a former first-round pick who can't beat out a guy making less than $2 million a year. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a fucking bad look. It's very that's bad. A bad look. That's, that's like me. I don't know. I don't, I don't even know how to quantify this. Like, you were a cornerback who we drafted in the first round. You got outplayed in camp by a sixth rounder. And everyone said, no, but the sixth rounder is really good. And you say, okay, cool. Benford is good. And Benford's solid. He's not terrible. I agree. But then you go, Benford's not an all-pro. He's definitely yeah. not a pro bowler. So he's just serviceable. So if he's out playing Elam to the point where he's inactive for multiple weeks down the stretch after he's healthy last year, I think to myself, what the fuck is this? Like, what's wrong with this? Now, we've seen this before. Think about some of the cornerbacks the Lions have drafted over the years. These guys never fit right. the NFL. They all just wash out. How many cornerbacks has at the in the second round have the Patriots drafted? I used to call it the kiss of death. When the Patriots draft a Razai Dowling, uh, uh, Cyrus Jones from Alabama, like when the Patriots used to draft a second round cornerback, I called it the kiss of death. That guy's going to suck. Yeah. And sure enough, he would, just like a wide receiver. When you see the Patriots draft him, bank on him. Tyquan Thornton stinks. Yeah. And yet at the same time, he was a second round pick. Yeah. If the Patriots take you at wide receiver or cornerback in the top two rounds, it's a bad pick. Never thought of that, but you're right. And it's every time. Yeah. And Elam is losing, like, Elam's flirting with that kind of a thing, though. Like, you're in this boat of, like, he's not just not beating out Dane Jackson or Christian Benford. It feels like he's losing ground to them, yes. too. He's not even not beating them out. He's losing ground. He's not making up ground. And and that's frustrating. Because he's a first-round pick. Because now if he was a fourth-round pick, none of us shit. would give a I'd shit. I'd be like, Bedford's fine. Dane Jackson's fine. Just but, like I feel about Shakir. Like, I'm not happy that his stock is down because I agree with you. It's like, I don't give a shit. It's like, Isabella will be fine there. Justin Shorter will do some things. Deontay Hardy, they, they're fine. But it's but now if Khalil Shakir was a first-round pick, then I'd be like, wow, this guy, this is really bad. That's why I feel like I do about Elam right now. He's a first-round pick. You invested a lot That's in him. It. That's it. The investment is what makes fans mad. It's not the fact that he's playing poorly. It's what you put into yeah, it and sure. what you're getting out of it. And he's so inconsistent. God, because he looks so good at times. Yeah, but stop grabbing people. Yeah, that, right. that pass interference to the end zone. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? That's textbook. That's how they teach it in school when they're showing a ref. I've heard Here's he what you flag. He fucking did it and then waved the ref off like this. Like, ah. I've heard he's, so had, a lot mean, of, he's ah. had a lot of difficulties grasping some of the defensive concepts that the Bills play. And he gets lost. When I say, like, he looks lost out there, 
That's not. I'm not saying that for effect. Like he legitimately is lost. Like don't know what he's supposed to be doing on a specific place. And so it's for yours. everybody last year during the draft who didn't think he would come back to haunt us, that we let the Chiefs trade up two spots ahead of us to get Trent McDuffie. Yeah, you guys didn't think that would come back to haunt us. Man, well, it'd be what? nice to have him. One of them turned around at the end of the season and turned into one of the better cornerbacks right. in the playoffs, and one of them might not make their roster. Yeah, well, I think he's going to make the roster, right. but he we'll might not. He, we'll talk again, about that. He we'll might talk be, about that in our next show. He might be chilling with us in the, in, in, on the sidelines <laughs> or in the stadium on game days, but he'll be on the roster. He's not going to be cut yet. Also, stock down every single linebacker not named Matthew or Dorian. Like, if your name isn't Matthew or Dorian, you suck right now. Yes, you can all kiss my ass. If you had, a, if you had, a, if, if you had an MVP, or you know, you did Hero Zero, and you're talking about specifically Bills, I would say the zero, the biggest one for me has been Tyrell Dotson. He was basically handed the opportunity to be the starting middle linebacker, and he still might, and might work out that way, but he has done nothing to earn it. You know what he is. We saw what he is. The he team knew what changed. he is. He is what he is, and. It's frustrating to, to just see. Again, you have to have some faith that this organization knew what they were doing at middle linebacker. They, they still know what they're doing, but it's hard to, to see that when you're watching the even just preseason games or not because he just looks terrible out there, and he looks terrible in camp. A.J. Klein should not be on this roster, and A.J. Klein might start. Terrell Bernard is a guy I'm not very high on. He might be the middle linebacker when he gets back healthy. He didn't win the wait, job. Wait, you mean camp. Schrodinger's middle linebacker? Because here's here's my take. Everyone, everything around this linebacker competition has been so bad that now people are looking at this going, well, when it must be the I heard Sal Capaccio on WGR five fifty, who I respect him. Sure, he goes. Well, obviously, I think that if Trinell, Tr- Terrell Bernard is healthy, he is the probably the incumbent to the starting well, job. Well, what has he done to earn that, though, on and, the field? And so to this, I go, you know what he's done? He hasn't showed his ass yet. Sometimes that's how you win. He, it's Schrodinger's middle linebacker. You go, does he stink? Well, we don't know, so we'll just believe he doesn't until he shows it. Yeah. Until we open the box and find out that he also sucks, we're going to believe that Terrell Bernard is going to be the thing that saves the middle linebacker position. Now, in our next podcast that's going to air probably a couple hours after this one, maybe later on in the evening, I'm going to break down why it's not that big of a deal as we talk about the state of the roster. Mm-hmm ahead of cuts, but what I do believe is that Dodson getting put back in this game in the fourth quarter, fuck you. You aren't a starter if you get put into the game in the fourth quarter. That's not good. Chris, what if the Bills put Stephon Diggs back in a game in the fourth quarter of a preseason It's not great. Game? It's not great. It's not great. You mentioned one guy, though. Let me interrupt real quick, because I like Dorian Williams. Dorian Williams. I'm annoyed. Has he done enough? That's my question. Because you watch him, the way he defends the run, he's tenacious. He comes downhill quickly. And I think one of the things that we underestimated about him that I'm getting to watch play, because I'm just hearing. I've been to one training camp practice, and now I'm watching the preseason games. And the thing I see is the way he triggers downhill with instincts. Yeah. When it comes against the run, he does the thing you want a middle linebacker to do, which is, hey, 
I see where you're going, and I'm going to beat you to a spot. And I can sift through the trash that is the blocking, and I'll find that I'll find the quickest path to where I have to get to you. He doesn't lose often. I watch. I, I got to make sure I give credit to Eric Turner and Anthony Brohaska at Cover One. They broke down film of Saturday's game, and they focused for a part of the film on. Dorian Williams, and they showed a really couple nice instinctive, to your point, mm-hmm. plays where he was coming up field, getting off blocks, and making plays. Now, he was out there, I can't remember who he was out there with. He was out there on a play, one play with A.J. Klein, but Klein was on the out, but he's like that will right now. Yeah. My beef is, is I, I hate that he's not getting middle linebacker snaps, because he's far and away to me, every linebacker we've just spent the last 15 minutes talking about, to me, he's far and away the most gifted and the most talented. I hate the fact that they're not working him in at Mike right now. And unfortunately, he's got a calf injury, so he's probably not even, even going to see him on Saturday either. Brandon Bean made a comment in the offseason when they were talking about roster construction. Mm-hmm. He said, because people kept asking, why aren't you signing more linebackers? There's linebackers out there. Why haven't you signed one? You lost Edmonds. Why haven't, why haven't you paid anyone to fill this void? His answer was, we like the fact that we have matchup linebackers. Which means it doesn't matter what you do out here. We have a linebacker that fits what you want to do. Depending on the game, depending on your scheme. I think that there is a higher path for Dorian. Could be. He's just going to have to take the low road in. And it's you're going to have to start slow and you will inevitably hit. It's the Matt Milano thing of. You're going to be on special teams while Ramon Humber fucking takes plays your job. And then one day, you're going to get the action, and when you do, they're going to know you're ready for it, you're going to make a splash, and you're point. never going to look back. That's a good point. This is They're setting him up for long-term success by handling it this way, and I respect that. That could work. With Bernard, I feel like they already started that path for him. So now it's, you can get this job right now, and maybe you hold it down forever. But also, we're going to hedge our bets by bringing in another guy who's instinctive, who can do a lot of the things we need and a lot of things Just we need want. Just one of those two to work out. This is it. And again, they like the fact that one of them is a killer run defender. One of them is linear in space. He's fluid. He just mm. can't. Pl- he doesn't play the run as well. But right. he Terrell in camp, by all reports, showed a little bit better physicality. So he's stepping it up. That's all you can ask for from guys who are playing in this position that is just it's a quagmire right now of just bad play it is it's really bad i'd hate to chris i'd hate to be sean mcdermott having to sit at home right now sober because let's face it does sean mcdermott strike you as a drinker no like rex ryan i could see a guy like rex ryan getting out of pocket oh, oh yeah he'll have a he'll have a hundred percent he'll have hard liquor and somebody's foot <laughs> both of those things going straight in his mouth <laughs> What I like is this idea that he's going to have... He's getting a little heartburn about this linebacker position, but at least these two have done well. Right? If everyone else sucks, at least those two are doing okay. And then you've got Matt Milano, who can make up for a lot. Yeah, look, Matt Milano's one of the... He is. It's kind of like Josh Allen with the offense, and to an extent. You know, Josh Allen can make up for a lot of shortcomings. Matt Milano other makes parts up of the for offense. a lot of shit. Exactly. Matt Milano will make up for a mistake that Dodson or Klein or Bernard or whoever the hell they have playing next to him is going to make. He's going to make up for at least some of that because he's literally one of the best linebackers in the NFL. I love it. I love the fact that our nitpicking literally is focused on some small things because in the grand scheme of it, this is still a Super Bowl contender of a roster. 
It is. And the one point that we've talked about on this show that concerns me the most is not any of the players. Nope. It's, Give me that coach. And you know what? His stock's down out of this, even if it's unfair. You brought out a team who you bitched about being mad about penalties, and you said, well, we're going to clean that up. You didn't. No. It got worse. Um, you talked about how, oh, my guys have all this energy, and they just can't wait to go play. You didn't play with energy. Yeah. What do you have? It's on you to get that out of them. Job's, job's not on the line for Sean McDermott this year, but his reputation and a lot of the, the clout that in the voice that he will carry in that locker room, a lot of that is on the line Yep, with this year. This There's is, no how, you don't be, this no is more, how you avoid becoming Jim Harbaugh. You could make a legitimate excuses, and we don't have to run them all down. We've done them a million times. What happened last season? There's enough smoke with that fire in terms of excuses that I'll buy it. Mm-hmm. I, that's not going to happen again this year. Well, God willing, none of you know that stuff doesn't happen again this year. And now you're calling the defense, and you've known it since day one of OTAs. So the excuses are gone. So where he but, goes, oh, well, I wasn't aware this was rough. Guess what? You're the fucking guy. Yeah. Andy Reid calls plays. You mean to tell me he doesn't know what's going on with his team? Right. You need to be that level of coach or else we have a real problem. And they can achieve. It's just he's. it's time to start asking some serious questions about him if they don't this, this year. This is going to be a hard year for Sean McDermott, and it's going to be interesting to watch play out. Sure is. I can't wait for it. You know what? I can't. I'm going to – this preseason game, Chris, I'm going to watch it like a horror movie, like this. I'm going to be like a 12-year-old watching a horror movie going – Oh, God, please nobody. Please nobody, Dad. <laughs> Every time they snap the ball, it's going to be through my fingers, just watching it like, oh, God, did anyone get mangled? I don't give a fuck with the outcome of the play. It's That's just exactly it- how I watched Back to the Future when I was seven, when the Libyans showed up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, for real, though. Diggs catches the ball, fall down. Don't try fall to run down. over literally fall down. We just need to get out of this thing healthy. Everyone and, get out of here alive. And not 12 penalties. And not 12 penalties. Guys, I love this. I love that we you I love that you came in here to have this conversation with us. I love that you came in tonight. But we gotta get the hell out of here. Tell yeah. everybody where they can find your wing rankings, where they can find your podcasts, where they can find everything you've got coming. I don't up. care. I don't care where they find it. He goes, I don't care where they find it. I, you know, he's ubiquitous. I seriously I, I love podcasting. I love having my show. I love having guests on. I love Coming on a show like this and, and shooting the shit with you guys, it's always fun. The one part of the po- the podcasting game, so to speak, that I hate doing personally is it's promoting. It's self-promoting. I hate self-promoting. Yeah. If, no. you, if you like me, you, you like the show, you'll know where to find it. Uh, Fucking love it, dude. <laughs> guys, we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Kruger. That's Pat Moran. And this has been your Rock Power Report. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.